Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is another Liberty from Captivity podcast. I am your host, Kelly Ward. Today is Friday, June 3rd, 2022. This is episode number 12, and the title of this show is Deliverance Blockers. Now that the Foundations of Deliverance series has concluded, my goal is to shift towards specific topics. Of course, that depends on what God wants. If He wants me to do another series, I will do another series. These topics may not necessarily be deliverance-related all the time, but perhaps it can be an encouraging word study or a sermon-type message, for example. In this show, I thought we could discuss some things that block deliverance, and this would be a good transition now that you know the basic principles. I just want to give you a basic definition. A deliverance blocker is a sin or iniquity that hasn't been repented of that prevents effective deliverance. It may be something obvious, but many times it's not. When dealing with the spiritual realm, it operates on spiritual laws. I talked about this in episode 2 titled Foundations of Deliverance. But basically, demons operate on what we would call legal rights meaning that there is some unrepentant sin in your life or your family line that has opened the door to them. Knowing what legal right has opened the door can help you get rid of the demons and close the doors. However, sometimes that's easier said than done. For example, if there was a sin that you know you committed, you can repent and close the door. That's something that's easy, you know you did it, and you can repent for it. On the other hand, There can be a generational curse in place from several generations back that you may have no knowledge of. These demons would love nothing more than to keep information like that hidden from you to reinforce their stronghold over you. With that stated, I want to discuss just a few things that may hinder deliverance. This is by no means an exhaustive list, but rather, these are some common things to look for if you find that deliverance is ineffective in your life. The first one is unforgiveness. The biggest blocker of all is probably unforgiveness. The reason is simple. Repentance and forgiveness is a cornerstone of deliverance. If you forgive and you are forgiven by God, then the enemy no longer has a valid legal right to attack you. It's as though you're in court, but the prosecuting attorney accuses you of something that cannot be proven now because it has been forgiven and there is no record of the wrong. With forgiveness, they can be cast out with ease. And while we're talking about unforgiveness, it's vitally important to forgive others for what they did to you or even what you perceive they did to you. But what we don't talk about very much is to forgive yourself. I can say from personal experience that this can be very difficult to do at times. I know for me, sometimes I'm just my own worst enemy. But you have to realize that you're only hurting yourself and the enemy wants to take advantage of this. If you have repented, give yourself grace and forgive yourself. I think I heard someone once say that forgiving yourself isn't in the Bible. Let's address that for just a moment. I will start with Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I find it interesting because Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. We know we have to love God. We know we have to love our neighbor. But it's important to love yourself as well. 
If you have love for yourself, then you would forgive yourself. Just like if you have love for your neighbor, you would forgive them. You don't have to beat yourself over the head for something that God has forgiven you for. So, make sure you forgive yourself by stating something like, I forgive myself for blank. Or use your name. Like, for example, say, Kelly, I forgive you for blank. And just fill in the blank with whatever sin has been committed. And release yourself and let it go. Also, unforgiveness opens the door to the demons. The parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, is a good read, and it explains what happens when you don't forgive. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. So notice here, that is a such a large amount that you would have to do it for your entire life and still not forgive 70 times 7. The point here is, it's basically infinite. You always forgive. Uh, continuing in verse 23, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But since he was not able to pay, his master ordered that he be sold with his wife their children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, pleading with him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and entreated him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. But he would not, and went and threw him in prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what took place, they were very sorry, and went and told their master all that had taken place. Then his master, after he had summoned him, said to him, O you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to each of you, if from your heart you do not forgive your brother for his trespasses. I know that I read many verses here, and I just wanted to paint a good picture of what happens when you forgive and what happens when you don't forgive. But what I want to focus on here is what's in verse 34. The modern English version uses the word jailers, but the King James Version uses the word tormentors. I think the word tormentors is a very accurate translation because it's a good description of what happens when you are in unforgiveness. The Greek word is besanestes, which means torturer or oppressive jailer. That's what the enemy does to you if you don't forgive, meaning they have the right to torment you. And if that's not enough, unforgiveness can also block God from answering your prayers. Let's look at Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your sins. This makes it clear that if you don't forgive others, God will not forgive you. 
I know that's hard to hear, and you probably don't hear very many sermons on it, but it says what it means, and it means what it says. But the point here is, is that we know that sin cuts us off from God. So isn't it better just to forgive and be restored to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And let's go back to forgiving yourself for just a moment here. Some Bible translations use the word ought here instead of the word anything, but this translation makes it a little bit more clear. Forgive if you have anything against anyone. You can certainly have something against yourself. I know I have plenty of times, and it's a horrible thing to deal with. And I think we all do that from time to time. And this is something that the enemy can take advantage of. In fact, when I was actively involved in deliverance ministry, I wouldn't minister to someone who didn't forgive themselves. Why? Because it has been learned that deliverance won't work unless they do. Furthermore, unforgiveness and self-unforgiveness can manifest itself through diseases in the body. For example, I heard a deliverance minister say that one of the roots of rheumatoid arthritis is unforgiveness. I'm sure there may be others. But the point here is, is that these things can cause great harm to your body in a, in a physical way. My opinion, based on all my studies, is that unforgiveness also represents a healing blocker as well since it is responsible for diseases in the body. The bottom line here is simply this. Forgive others and yourself and give yourself grace. Not only this, if you know that God has forgiven you, then isn't the sacrifice of Jesus enough? I mean, just think about that. The next deliverance blocker is trauma. I would say that trauma is something that is often overlooked in deliverance. Trauma can occur in a variety of ways, such as car accidents, tragedy, being abused, rejection, abandonment, harassment, or anything that caused a traumatic event. I can't say for certain how this works, but I know the enemy takes advantage of trauma. Car accidents are something to look into because those can be a fearful and frightening event. If there are some negative memories involved with trauma, it may be a good idea to minister inner healing for those. I have a short testimony about harassment that led to trauma that I would like to share with you. In 2010, I had taken a new job and was put with a coworker who harassed me, bullied me, and made me feel like my job was in jeopardy. Now, at this time in my life, I had turned my back completely on God. I had taken a different job, moved away from my home state of Oklahoma to Alabama, and abandoned my parents and siblings. I had no support except from the woman who I was married to at the time. Anyway, I felt completely alone, and I feared that I was going to lose my job. I was called into meetings with my coworker, who was equally graded as me, and was questioned about my ability to do the job. And this was while my supervisor wasn't even present. And my supervisor wasn't really even involved yet at this point. I was struggling to learn the job and received little training on it. My confidence was low and I felt trapped because I had a commitment to do this job for a period of three years. It's not like I could just leave and go back home. The anxiety was so bad that the only solace I had was when I slept, and that was if I didn't have nightmares. The anxiety and panic attacks grew to a point that I had to be put on an antidepressant. In 2014, I gave my heart to Jesus, and several years later, I went through inner healing for this. 
I can tell you that the fear was so heavy and that the anxiety was so strong that it was just crippling. If you have experienced anything that has led to trauma in your life, I highly encourage you to deal with it, and it's vitally important that you do. And seek inner healing for it. I did a podcast on this in episode 9, titled Inner Healing. Keep in mind, though, that this episode was just a basic introduction to the topic. Of course, God can heal you, but you may consider going through an, an inner healing ministry. The next one is soul wounds. A soul wound is the result of someone that hurt you or offended you. Even if you have forgiven someone for the hurt they caused you, it's important to address any wound that may be there and allow Jesus to heal those. If you want to know more, listen to episode 9, titled Inner Healing. The next blocker is curses and generational curses. Curses are a hidden cause of problems with many Christians. You may be doing everything right, but something is still holding you back. Perhaps no matter what you do, you can never seem to get ahead in certain areas of your life. I encourage you to listen to episodes 6, 7, and 8 about curses if you want to know more. It's probably easy to break curses that you have put on yourself because you may be able to remember some of the things that you said. But the more difficult curses to break are generational because unless you know the history or the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, you may not even know that there is a curse. You can approach this several ways. One is what I like to call the shotgun approach. Of course, pray, but also obtain some deliverance books and use the internet for research on the most common generational curses. Go through them one by one and break as many as you can. For me, this has been the most helpful method and the way God led me as I was learning to do it. It may be different for you, though, as I had to learn how to do this. Nevertheless, I encourage you to try. The second approach is what I call the pinpoint approach. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you exactly what is going on. Follow His leading and instructions. Once you know the root, you can break the curse and command the demons to leave. The next blocker is unbelief. I haven't heard many sermons on unbelief, but it's terrible because it can stop the flow of what God wants for you. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 through 58. When Jesus finished these parables, he departed from there. When he came to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is he not the carpenter's son? Is his mother not called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph, Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not do many works there because of their unbelief. Verse 58 makes it very clear that unbelief can stall the works of God, not only for deliverance, but many other areas in your life. So if you believe that you can't be forgiven, or deliverance isn't real, or that God doesn't want to heal you, then you likely won't get very far in these areas. The next blocker is soul ties. Any relationship that you have with another person can become a soul tie. But the guaranteed soul ties are with spouses, children, parents, and close friends. And there can be godly and ungodly soul ties within the same relationship. 
These connections represent a spiritual link between two people and is a conduit for demonic attacks. So let's just take a look at a few examples here and discuss these. A close friend can be a godly and an ungodly soul tie. David had a soul tie with Jonathan in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the son of Jonathan, was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So this represents two friends who really liked each other. Obviously, this was a godly soul tie. But if something ever goes wrong in a, in a relationship that you have with a good friend, maybe you got into a fight or an argument, then you can also develop an ungodly soul tie at the same time. The next one is with a spouse. And again, you can have a godly and an ungodly soul tie within the same relationship. Adam and Eve had a soul tie according to Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 through 25 which reads, Therefore a man will leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they will become one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So as I mentioned, it's possible to have a godly and an ungodly soul tie with the same person. This can be especially true with a spouse with whom there has been arguing, strife, abuse, etc. If this has happened, you can break the ungodly soul tie cast out the demons that came in with it, and keep the godly soul tie. The last type of soul tie that I want to discuss is sexual. And again, this can be godly and ungodly. If you have sex with your spouse, then it's a godly soul tie. But any other sexual relationship between two unmarried people would definitely result in an ungodly soul tie. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. What? Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. So you can have a one flesh relationship with somebody that you're not married to. Any of these ungodly soul ties can be an open door to demonic attacks. So the point here is to look at all of your relationships and break the ungodly soul ties. You may even have to break the relationship altogether. Obviously, if you're married, you can't do that. However, if you have a close friend who is an ungodly influence on you, you will need to seek God on what to do. Perhaps he may have you break that relationship. On the other hand, we are to be a salt and a light to the world around us, and we need to be a godly influence on ungodly people. But be willing to obey. After you have broken the soul tie, be sure to command the demons to leave that came in with them. If you want to know more, go back and listen to episode 5, titled Soul Ties. The next deliverance blocker is Freemasonry. If you are ever involved in Freemasonry, you shouldn't be. It may claim to be compatible with Christianity, but trust me, it's not. They do not worship the true God, and especially not Jesus. In fact, I don't even think they mention the name of Jesus. There may be a lot of Freemasons uh, in churches, too. I think I saw an estimate that the that it may be somewhere in the neighborhood of around 30 to 40 percent of, of people in churches may be Freemasons. I don't know, but the point is that this is a demonic and ungodly organization. Why? They require you to make oaths that put you and your family at spiritual risk, and it's basically like an insurance policy for the demons, should you decide to bail out. 
If you decide that you want to get out of Freemasonry, they will come attack you and your family. I suggest repenting and renouncing your involvement and find a good Freemasonry prayer to be released from demonic influence for yourself and for your children. Also, if you have any Freemasonry paraphernalia, I recommend that you destroy it or burn it, because having these in your possession can also represent an open door to them. The next blocker would be demonic attachments to objects, home, buildings, or land. What some people call ghosts or haunted houses are really just demons. There was some sin that opened the door and gave them the legal right to attach to an object, home, or property. This sin likely resulted in a curse. One common thing that some people have would be something called a Ouija board. If you have these, destroy them, burn them, follow God's direction, but definitely get rid of them. I talked briefly about these types of things in episode 7 titled Curses Part 2. The key is to learn what sin was committed through prayer, research, and known history. Once you know, you can remit the sin, break the curse, and command the demons to leave. The next deliverance blocker is pride. As I was thinking about things that block deliverance, pride came to mind. This was something that the Holy Spirit showed me a few days ago as I was thinking about my notes. Pride is very sneaky, and prideful thoughts can be very small. You may even think that it's just you. One way pride blocks deliverance is that it convinces you that you don't need it. You may be getting to a point where you're ready for deliverance, either from a ministry or on your own, and then you think to yourself, I don't need it, or it's no big deal, or I can handle it, or I can control it. If you think this way, I encourage you to repent for any pride that you may have. Pray about it, of course, but also examine your heart. Make the decision that you will fight to get your freedom. Another way that I can think of that pride blocks deliverance is you really think that you don't have a problem at all. For example, maybe you're resistant to the idea that something is wrong when people are telling you there's a problem or ignoring the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Again, the antidote is the same. Repent for pride, seek God, and allow Him to open your eyes to really see. Without repentance, you may not even see it, but remember, God resists the proud, and that's why it's so dangerous. James chapter 4, verse 6, But He gives more grace. For this reason, it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The last blocker I want to talk about is unrepentant sin. Now, this is fairly broad and nonspecific, but it's important to remember that sin can open the door to the enemy. I can't say for certain at what point they come in, but I know for sure that it's better to address it anyway. The point of unrepentant sin is if you want deliverance for something, you need to be willing to repent for any obvious sin in your life. If not, you will not be delivered in these areas of unrepentant sin. So in summary, we discussed several things that can block deliverance in your life that you need to look for if you want to be free, such as unforgiveness, trauma, soul wounds, curses and generational curses, unbelief, soul ties, Freemasonry, demonic attachments to objects, homes, buildings, or land, pride, and any other general unrepentant sin. Some of them may be obvious, but others may not. 
I encourage you to look into some of these things and start working on what you know about. For the things you don't know about, pray and let God show you. Let God lead you on your journey to freedom. And as you learn how to do this on yourself, you will be better equipped to help other people as well. Also, it's important to plead the blood of Jesus over all of your doors on a daily basis because you may have open doors you're not aware of. And just remember, this is a process and it may take time. If you have any questions or comments about this show, you can post them at my website at www.libertyfromcaptivity.com in the blog section. Also, if you want to contact me directly, please feel free to send me a message in the contact section on my website or send an email to kelly at libertyfromcaptivity.com. Have a great rest of the week and God bless you. Thank you.